0: Hello and welcome to what we're listening to, Uh, my name is Josh, I'm one of your hosts and with me as always is my good friend and modular moog maverick, Asher, hello sir, how are you? I wish man, (laughs) I I just go and play the
1: ones in the store.
0: (laughs) One day I think I'm going to see your room and it's just going to be lots and lots of modular keyboards, successfully. Haven't even started yet but that's the dream. (laughs) I am well, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's uh, good. a rare day of sun in Canadian February. so Great. Yeah. That's pretty good. Enjoy it.
1: I have a little quiz for you as we start. Um, now, a little spoiler. I gave Josh a Sinead O'Connor album as homework this week. And um, you may know the answer to this. This was kind of news to me as I was doing a little bit of research. Huh. But in 1990, Sinead O'Connor rose to fame with her um, song, Nothing Compares to You. However, she did not write this song. Who wrote it? Oh. I'm
0: glad you I know didn't the, instantly know. This. I know the original <laughs> song. I like. I have the tune in my head as well. Who mm-hmm. wrote it? Oh, I was going to take a stab in the dark. Mm-hmm. Like Dolly Parton? Nope. <sighs> no, I don't have it in my head.
1: Okay. It was Prince. Prince? Yep. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a look last night. I was like, oh, I, I mean, it's not a favorite song of mine, um, but I thought that she wrote it. So I was surprised to find it was not hers. Um, so, yeah. That's is, is this a common thing of hers to like cover a song on an album? Because
0: she has one obviously on the album you gave me as well. Yeah.
1: Well, the thing was, that song I didn't realize was a cover. We'll chat about that later until quite recently. Um, I don't know. I don't know a lot about her other works. So maybe the listeners can tell us uh, that she is indeed an avid cover artist as well as a song, <laughs> singer-songwriter. <laughs> Who knows? Um, anyway, do you, do you have any follow-up from last week's no, episode? I,
0: I really do not, sir, sir, sir.
1: I don't actually either, so we can have a blazing intro and go straight to the reviews. Coolio. Cool. All
0: right, so uh, it's been a little while since I've been this excited for an album. Um, mm-hmm. I was just kind of going through Twitter like a week and a bit ago and one of the music mags that I follow posted a clip of this guy playing. So I checked it out and it was really good. So I've been listening to the first album uh, by a guy called Bartiz strange. It's called mm-hmm. live forever. Um, And uh, when you listen to people kind of talk about this record or you listen to him play, um, often they'll comment on the amount of like genre influences that he draws from. And it's very mm. on purpose. And um I th- I think more than saying it's like got these different pieces in it, actually he draws from a very large well of sources and he knows them all very well. And so this record kind of has like, you know, pieces of like blues and rock and roll and modern rap and hip-hop all kind of meshed Mm. together and instead of feeling like super schizophrenic it feels really good um yeah i it's kind of like the true meaning to me of like alternative music where Hmm. you look at what's happening in like the pop music world and you use it in a different way and that's really what this guy does in this record um
1: it does feel so, natural, the swapping yeah. and the changing. It doesn't feel like he's forced it.
0: Yeah. And I've I've watched him talk about it in interviews, and it's like it's very on purpose. And these are obviously like things that he enjoys a lot. Um uh so kind of like you have these like big kind of rock guitar songs like Mustang and Boomer, or you have like more electro kind of hip-hop ones of on the back end that are much mm like slower paced and different um but i don't it's kind of like a lot of new blood and it's thoroughly interesting to me it like as you said all goes together well Mm -hmm. and it's really fresh i really have been just chewing through this album over and over
1: again um
0: i can see that you'd
1: have a lot to chew on because (laughs) i got halfway through i was like well we have moved very far very quickly
0: (laughs) I yeah, but it's only like it's a it's a tight like thirty six minutes. It's a sh- it's not a long album. Mm. Um, it it doesn't overstay. It's welcome, and uh, I think it kind of has this, um, this idea behind it of being like hemmed in or trapped by, um, whatever you want to call it, genres or, um, like musical expectation. And I think this album is a very conscientious pushback against that. And I think it accomplishes it quite well, actually. Um, hmm. yeah. Nice. yeah. I don't know. This isn't his, like, first foray into music period. He has um, uh, an EP of covers of national songs that I haven't actually had a chance to listen to.
1: Yeah, he um, told me, and I, that sounds very intriguing.
0: Yeah. he What does he, he cover? Ma- uh, a whole bunch of them. Um, okay. Like... Uh, all of the wine or Lemon World are some of the ones I've seen. Wow, um, yeah, he made the album after going to a national concert and realizing that he was the only black guy in the audience, and so okay. it's kind of like an expression of of that experience. So it's the songs are very different. The one or two that I listened to from I've got it here
1: special. about today, which is brilliant. That's off one of the early EPs, Lemon World, oh. Mister November. The Geese at Beverly Road. I don't know. All the wine. Yeah. A reasonable man looking for astronauts. Going, going. Hags and far. Are some of those not national songs? No, they're all national songs. Those are just old ones. Um wow. They're off
0: like Alligator and before that as well. Cool. Um, so he cl- clearly knows what he's. He knows a fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. More than me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's not hard. I'm not you. <laughs> yeah. Phony. Um, I, I so know, he. I know. Ple- he played a uh he played this whole album through on his birthday, um, earlier this week we're recording. Yeah. And he uh he and the band, they did a really good job. I thought it'd be tough to kind of pull off some of these sounds, and some of them are obviously sampled in a live context. Hmm. Um but it's always hard to make an album that is this complex recorded sound good live, I think, and he did a good job of that. Hmm. So yeah. I'm I'm very excited about this guy and where he goes from here kind of thing.
1: There's nothing wrong with using samples. Like it's as much an instrument as something else. I yeah. mean we've you know, I, I totally respect that because part of the trick is pulling that off um and not it's and not letting it look dumb or or and letting the sounds blend well, you know? Mm. So I, I really was surprised by his voice. So he sounds like a mixture between Caleb from Kings of Leon and Chad <laughs> from Kings Kaleidoscope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just this kind of like really thick kind of heavy voice. It it was not what I was expecting because track one, right, is very ambient. I was like, okay, Bon Ver territory. Yeah. And then we launch into pop punk in the next song. And then later on it's like rap with and then there's more, then there's country guitar. It's like, so good. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, you must forgive me. I, I didn't get to this until late this week and I've only given it a tiny listen, but it's the kind of thing where chuck the tracks on the playlist and I'll give those a go yeah. and kind of give the full album a bit more of a go.
0: I mean, apparently he's from uh, DC, so I, I can't speak to the Caleb from kings of leon influence but i don't know where kings k are from um,
1: uh washington state
0: oh they're very far away <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and it, i mean that was just my association like if yeah. listeners find that a helpful you know vantage uh, like kind of thing to hold on to i kind of found it that really deep thick sort of thing so yeah yeah that no, was cool man
0: Yeah, it's exciting. It's been a while since I've seen a a band kind of blend some of this stuff together so well. Mm -hmm. Um, I told you earlier, like, it feels a little bit like TV on the radio, but in my opinion, much cooler. I don't know if that's unfair.
1: Um, I still haven't. I've yeah, yeah, and my knowledge of tv and the radio i'm so. also not a
0: huge fan of just like comparing comparing one guy to another so it's not really that yeah. fun but um, i do it Bart's, too much so marty you know. strange very cool yes very cool very cool um that's all i got man i've yeah nice. so how about you sir
1: yeah i've been listening to something a bit on the other end of the spectrum um <laughs> I've been listening to what I can kind of call like a, a dream pop sort of analog synth album. Um, it's it's called The Twin by Sound of Cres. Uh, Cres, C-R-E-S. Um, so they're a band that I kind of found through people telling me about associated acts. So I have a very favorite album Um, that I've shared with Josh before. It's called The Birds of North America. It's kind of an experimental analog synth album where each track is based around um, like a a field recording of a bird. And then they've made these like little musical musings on that bird sound. Now, the person who made that album is in this band, Sound of Cress. And so, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I think it's pronounced "Ceres," just to let you know. Did I miss out a letter? Sorry, I was writing series. it down in my Ceres. I thought that's what it was, and then I, I looked at my notes. It's a uh, it's a real series. planet as well. Yeah. Sound of Ceres. Pardon me, everyone.
0: <laughs> um.
1: So anyway, sound of Ceres. So you think analog synthesizers and kind of um, synthesized drum sounds mixed with like very airy, breathy female vocals on top. Like, so very retro dream pop sort Mm. of feel. Now, the first track really drew me in. um, And I really love that sound. It's called Gemini Scenic. And it's got this, like, beautiful arpeggiated synth line. And then the thing that drew me in was halfway through, it kind of had this overdriven sort of, like, pumping you know, bass, drums sort of sound. And I thought that was a nice little twist on the analog feel. It just felt like they were blending a few older new genres. Um, These, I know I compare bands a lot. Maybe that's just (laughs) the language I speak. They kind of remind me of a a, similar to a band I talked about a while ago called um, Carol Cleveland Sings, who are a bit less... um, Is it fair to say this is kind of like shoegazy in vocal feel? Uh,
0: Yeah, it would share some similarities. It's more like what we talked about, actually,
1: um, the Cocteau Twins being more like them. Right. Because there's this band called Ozean, who are another shoegaze outfit from the the mid-90s, and very similar vocal style. Similar to, I think it's, is it Rachel from Slow Dive? Very Mm -hmm. airy, on top of the mix sort of feel. Anyway... I really liked the different songs on this album. Halfway through, I felt like things got a bit samey and I got a little tired of the airy vocals and kind of wanted something a bit different. Um, But I really love the tone of these analog synthesizers. You were right at the top of the show to talk about me enjoying enjoying synthesizers. (laughs) I just don't own any. I just appreciate them. Um, One day. One. I've I've watched Andrew Huang and his builds. I'm, it's too much, It's too much. <laughs> um, yeah. So, the first track is beautiful. All of them have really interesting names. Humaniora is quite good. That's the second one and has these more dream pop sort of drums and that sort of feel. Um, the trance was a nice change of feel. One of the tracks had some gated synths, kind of a bit more dancey and pumping. Um, I.O. Scenic A slash B was really cool. It kind of had these Vangelis vibes. Um, and I I really enjoy Vangelis's music, kind of that sprawling synthesizer soundtrack sort of thing. So, yeah, kind of the cold feel to it. Um, Yeah, it's not, I think overall, I could have, I would have liked to see some, changes of feels maybe even like change of vocal styles slightly but I mean it was nice and I like hearing these kinds of yeah textures and and especially for that opening track that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this because it kept pulling me back in this opening song so yeah you uh you can't see but I am
0: nodding my head um I think a, a little bit of a uh, rhythmic mix-up in the middle would have been pretty good, um, mm. just like something to give it more dynamic. Uh, yeah, because yeah. the kind of the, the the spacey feel with the with the airiness of the singing kind of just kind of goes at the whole thing uninterrupted. Mm. Which, if they're going for that, they accomplished pretty well. Um, yeah, I can I can imagine this. You know, having lots of astronaut helmets and music videos and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> it, I mean, it shared some similarities with what I love about always. Um, but I yeah. like always a lot more um, because they've got more movement, um, you know, like Pim Soul Punks and that sort of thing. I just, yeah. I just love that. And yeah, I think you can
0: say thing. a similar thing about slow dive. Also having the extra male vocals to kind of like Ground the sound out a little bit um, Mm. in some of her songs, but this is uh, well put together. And you're right in the especially the first song the the layers of
1: synth are really really um, well put together. They're really nice. Mm. I do want to mention just before I finish. So the main the main person who drew me to this band, Jacob Graham, who's from the Birds of North America also directs a show on YouTube called The Creatures of Yes. And this is like a a nod to, like, 70s puppetry. And it's kind YouTube. of like really odd puppetry with a very 70s aesthetic with these analog synthesizers. And But the music's actually done by his brother, I believe. So similar sort of sound. But, yeah, so if you're... I'll put a link in the show notes as well that... I've been kind of on this binge of this this older aesthetic in, in analog synthesizer world. Um, and I've enjoyed kind of, yeah, looking at all these different things. So check them yeah. all out. They're all worth it.
0: I mean, this, this album is like very, very 80s in some way, but obviously used with modern instruments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like modern, I don't know, production? recording techniques and production. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Head into homework, yeah. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I gave Josh an album by Sinead O'Connor, the Irish singer um, who, yeah, kind of came to the forefront of the world stage in the 1990s. Um, As I said, I don't really know a lot of her older stuff, but um, I kind of got this album. Well, actually my mum bought it and then I really liked it. And it's called How about I be me and in parentheses and UBU. You you. And to me it did not feel like the Sinead O'Connor that was kind of like came up whenever you Google her. Um, less ballady and a bit different. And I quite like this album. I really think it has an interesting amount of interesting selection of songs and I know that Josh really likes Irish musicians. Uh well, some Irish musicians, not all, but um I thought that he might like to give this a whirl. So tell me what you thought of Sinead's album.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, this this is obviously uh no, obviously this is the first kind of time I've ever listened to anything uh, by her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is fresh for me. I um I had a bit of a hard time uh getting into this uh record. I'll try and put it helpfully. I hmm. um I had a hard time um taking the theme of the record at face value. Hmm. Um like the the name and the contents of this record kind of go uh along basically saying like Sinead I'm putting myself out there I don't really care what you think, Mm -hmm. um, which is fine, but also I don't particularly care what she has to say anyways. (laughs) So I don't like, I don't buy into the oeuvre of the record. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like songs where she sings about like being in love and happily married Mm -hmm.
1: like forever. I'm like, I, I like, I don't really believe it. I, it is quite disingenuous yeah so i i
0: either have to take that song as like sarcasm or like ingenuineness. and so i kind of have the i had that struggle with a lot of the tracks in this album because a hmm. lot a lot of this album is about like her life um dealing with drug addiction and um like having uh, children from broken families Mm -hmm. And lots of that kind of stuff. And so a lot of it's dealing with those things. And so the happier moments of the album, I find a hard time kind of merging with those more solemn parts. And so I found it kind of a
1: a weird album to navigate in some ways. It is a very mixed bag. And yeah, it. I was going to say something I've forgotten. It is a very mixed bag and it is hard to kind of like, yeah, it is. You are. I said at the beginning when I gave this to you, I was like, just focus on the music. But it's very hard to just focus on the music. In the same way, it'd be hard to focus on the music with a Kanye album, right? Yeah, she's
0: she's a big personality, and it's
1: difficult Mm. to divorce the artist from the music in some fashion,
0: Um, especially when she's writing. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's writing about her life, especially as well. If Mm. this was like an album about how she enjoys Ulysses, the book, I would have like less of an issue, like putting her apart from that kind of thing. Um Hmm. um, so all with all that said, Hmm. uh I found it kind of strange how inoffensive the music on this record was. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Um it's pretty like it's pretty light uh um what do I have? Uh for such a controversial figure, it's got a lot of basics in it, like a lot of ballads um, she's a lot of strong singing in some parts, you know, uh, cover, some folk guitar. Um, mm. probably the most musical, musically interesting one for me was the first song
1: on the record. I know. Um, right. Does it have traditional Irish instruments in it? I, yeah, I'd, I'm not hundred percent Sure.
0: It, like it a
1: like or something? No, that's not traditionally Irish, but it feels yeah, like it's so kind of it, traditional.
0: It feels like Bangor music, but with, like, an Irish feel to it. Hmm. Like Indian, like... Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. It's kind of that droney sort of thing.
0: Um, so that's yeah. probably the by far the most interesting song to me. Um, mm. It stands out a lot because I think after that, you kind of get into the ballad territory for the next, like, ten songs. Um yeah. That's actually yeah. my favorite
1: song, Fourth and Vine.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, I find it weird that she doubles her vocals so much. I don't think she needs to.
1: Yeah, I wondered whether you do, like, do you like her vocal style is a question I thought of last night. I was like, I wonder if he digs this. <laughs> um,
0: I, don't, I don't hate it. I, I find the doubling strange. That puts me off a little bit. Um, mm. cause I don't, I, as I said, I don't, I don't think she needs it. Her
1: voice mm. is very strong. Um, it makes it really thick, kind of like very, very full and heavy, but I kind of like it.
0: Yeah. I, I can see her voice fitting very well with like the, the more, uh, basic folk genre rather than kind of the, this kind of Rocky ballad stuff. Um. Hmm. though in the in the cover song what's it called um queen Queen of of denmark queen of denmark she does kick off uh the kind of the bigger aspects of her voice and that um that was more impressive to me when she kind of Hmm.
1: turns it up into high gear in that song um i was so surprised to to hear that was a cover because it fits so well with the theme of the album or the other themes of the songs it's a cheeky, it's a cheeky song too. Like it, um, I mean, whether it's very precocious and, you know, her singing it, she's kind of made it her own as well. But it is strangely fascinating to me. I don't know. Just I, warning to listeners, it's pretty intense, this album, like it's pretty intense. <laughs> so just, I reward. still maintain that that song sounds a lot
0: <laughs> like a the Keen song. I can't get it out of my head.
1: <laughs> I didn't get to listen to it, but I'll check it out. I'm, Yeah. And then we I'm have str- to blame whoever the original writer is.
0: Yeah, yeah. because um, somewhere only we we know came out before the original song did. And like I, I as I was listening to Sinead sing, I was like, this sounds dead to rights, like that Keen song. I can't get over it. Um mm. Yeah, I I'm not hundred percent sure what I anticipated from a Sinead O'Connor album, having never mm. listened to her before. Um yeah, I I don't know, I think I would have Liked some more weirdness to this record. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's kind of out of character for me. I think (laughs) I would have anticipated more uh, out there kind of stuff. And maybe that's what she gets up to in her other records. Um, Mm. But for the most part, this is a lot of introspective um, kind of uh, anger uh, put to music and... I don't know. I. I don't particularly buy in to what she feels angry about because it's her own life and she should deal with it. And then, some of these songs are kind of interesting and some of them are kind of bore me. Mm. It was it was interesting. I yeah. I never. It is a
1: very curious album and probably the weirdest place for me to start listening to Sinead O'Connor. But (laughs) I found it strangely compelling. In the same way that like you know how when there's a musician and their life is pretty crazy and yet their music is, by contrast, quite beautiful, interesting, there is that yeah. interesting cognitive dissonance when you listen to their music. Yeah. And that can I find that a little bit compelling sometimes because I'm just a bit fascinated, sat slash kind <laughs> of pitying them. I don't know. But also, I kind of liked the really standard songs. that were quite beautiful. Even like "The yeah. Wolf Is Getting Married," is very. It just feels like a kind of happy rock ballad. If that uh, like a rocky kind <laughs> of pop tune, it's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never been the biggest ballad person in the world, anyways. Yeah, yeah. I uh, th- this album's kind of touted as one of her comeback records because she hadn't put out uh, music like for four or five years. Before this record came out. Um mm.
1: yeah,
0: yeah, I I can see that. I, it, people said it's a more of a return to her original like 90s form. Um mm. and I could I could definitely understand how that would come across.
1: Mm. Yeah. You
0: know, I don't know. Yeah, I I it's yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend it to people. I wouldn't listen to it um by choice that often, but I didn't hate it and I'm kind of sad that there wasn't more experimentation on it. That's that's my final takeaway from it.
1: I think a few more songs like Fourth and Vine, giving it that kind of really folky feel, but with like new production would have been really cool. Yeah. That's I've, my I
0: agree with I agree with that. Hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It is a divi- she is a divisive character and this is possibly a divisive album, so putting know. it lightly. Uh, <laughs> Are you referring to the Saturday Night Live thing? You know? She's Was done more than Friday that in her Night lifetime. You... <laughs> sorry. She's done more than that in her lifetime and you know it. Yeah, 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 I know. Um anyway, I, I as always, I thought that you might like some parts of it, but I yeah. Thanks for giving it a listen and giving it a go.
0: No, I've had it on my fine. list
1: for a while because I was like, oh, it is actually an album I put on relatively often because I enjoy it. Um, but, it, yeah, it is a hard album to listen to. So, yeah. <laughs> Content warning for people who are listening. <laughs>
0: people with soft
1: ears. Um,
0: okay. Speaking of albums, that had on the list for a long time. Um, <laughs> so this record recently celebrated its 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave Asher an album by a band called The Kinks. Uh, what's the full title of
1: this album? Lola yeah. versus The Money Go Round Part 1, is that what it is? No, Lola versus Power Man and The Money Go Round Part 1. Yeah, there it is. Um, so The Kinks
0: are, I would say, probably one of the most famous bands that people don't really know about. Um, Back in the day, they're touted as one of the big three alongside the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Hmm. Uh, So this is their first album in the Mm seventies. And so the Beatles have broken up and the Stones are starting to go a little bit kind of towards the disco vibe. Mm -hmm. And so I really enjoy this album because it's kind of a bridge from the sixties kind of acoustic-led pop, art-pop era to mm. more of the rock and roll stuff that's coming in the 70s, you know, your Led Zeppelin, yeah. your Black Sabbath, all that kind of stuff. And this album, mm. I think, has a really interesting middle ground between those two. Um,
1: yeah. Well, because to me, it reminds me a little bit of the White Album or the Beatles, right? Yeah. Like that, and which was recorded in the 60s. Am I correct?
0: Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um,
1: and so it has elements of that, but it feels a little bit more, yeah, um, a bit more complex, rocky, uh, like um, maybe a bit more experimental. I don't know. But the Beatles have always been very experimental in their later years. Yes. So.
0: And I, I think it's also a big step for the kinks themselves because their previous album, um, the Village Green Preservation Society, is very, like, folky and, like, like like what what it says, small village kind mm-hmm. of happy-go-lucky songs about photo albums and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. this is a big step away from that. And it it's kind of they're getting frustrated at the recording industry. And, I didn't pick uh,
1: that up. Uh, This is <laughs> <was> too subtle.
0: <laughs> it's, it's pretty overt. And ironically, it turned into one of their biggest hits of an album um, hmm. with a couple really big songs on it in particular. But yeah. tell me tell me what you thought.
1: Yeah, so... Like I was saying, it feels very familiar and I do know about the kinks because they're kind of textbook, you know, um, you really got me kind of, um, hits and that sort of thing. But I didn't know a lot of their other stuff, to be honest. Like I haven't listened to them all. I knew about them. I'm pretty sure I knew they were from the UK and knew that they were part of that same like era. Am I correct in thinking about like the clash around the same era as well? Uh, the Clash started making stuff in the mid-70s. Okay, right. Just a little bit earlier, sorry.
0: Just a, little bit, just a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah, so I really like the theme of this, and I think I know why you like it, because it's quite cheeky and, like, you know, <laughs> sticking it to the man kind of thing. It's, it, and while I, while I joke and say it's not very subtle, like, it is still clever. It's not obvious. Like, these songs... Um, I'll just kind of start at the beginning the contenders is really cool because it starts off and then launches in like it starts off soft and then kind of launches into this more big rocky kind of sound. Um, I really like blues music. Not so like I don't listen to all the time. It's really fun to play, but, um, it's, it's really fun to listen to every now and then. And I was playing this around the house for the past couple of weeks and my daughter was dancing along to it. She really enjoyed it. So, you know, there you go. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Stranger's the second song I'm not a fan of the like watery flanger on acoustic guitars okay, but i did I did kind of it did feel of the era, right, and it was nice to kind of feel like right we're in the seventies sort of thing, yeah, it's very old school, yeah, but I mean that sound is coming back in some ways I've heard it on newer tracks, um like Beck I think did a lot of that. but um Denmark Street is kind of when we start those snide lyrics um. The vaudeville sound is very fun. And it's cool that they're swapping between these different genres as well, like um, where you're going from these, yeah, kind of rockier songs to something that feels like um, um, when I'm 64 kind of thing, you know, a yeah. bit more playful. So um, Get Back in Line is a beautiful song. I really love just some of the chord progressions and the melody in that. It was really nice. Um, now, I have heard Lola probably like you say in a wes anderson film i haven't actually yeah. seen the darjeeling limited but um i do know this song and it's very fun it's i love the enunciation of coca-cola kind of thing <laughs> you know it's <laughs> they got in trouble for that too but well, it's probably referenced- one of the
0: yeah for the brand obviously
1: right right yeah true but i mean whatever i like I like that they're kind of like playing around with their singing and not taking themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. um and then like top of the pops, I don't love it, but it's very clever lyrically. you know, um I've written down my notes, I'm like, what was the situation surrounding this? you know like and I gather it was this kind of cynical uh view of the record industry and stuff like that, yeah. Um, the spoken word parts, I really like. They're kind of very, very Dylan. Like, um, uh, is it Subterranean Homesick Blues? Am I quoting that? Yeah, name? yeah. And I think they're real clips from interviews
0: as well that they're
1: in. Okay, cool. Uh, I like I it. I think. Yeah. Um, the Money Go Round song also has that vaudeville feel. So it's kind of cool that they're swapping between the two, and I really dig that. Um yeah, I like how catchy a lot of these songs are, like Ape Man, um, and yeah. then Power Man, like these really kind of funny, yeah, funny songs. And am I sensing like Jamaican vibes on Ape Man, like that kind of Rasta sort of thing going on? Yeah, I guess on? so. I
0: don't it's know. it's a very weird song. Um, yeah, they're all
1: they're all pretty weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um, the the lead singer and songwriter Ray Davies is very creative. Hmm. Um, cause you could make this album very standardly, I think, and get the same like vibe across, but like these weird, as you say, like vaudeville, hurdy, gurdy hmm. kind of middle songs are all very, around. they're very yeah. strange. Like you
1: don't really listen to them out of the context of this album and enjoy them that much. I don't think I, I don't. No, Uh, they they have to be slotted in because they're like a minute and a half and they're kind of like these little interludes. And before I forget, I really loved the performances of the, like by the band, like some of the acoustic guitar parts were very like, felt very real and very live. What's that really Mm. fast part on one of the songs that he does on this like nylon string? Anyway, I just, I dig it. I think that uh, like... Songs like Lola, they feel like really much like a jam. Like they're just having a lot of fun. And I love the flat seven chords, you know. It really kind of, it's nice when they add in chords that are not part of the key, kind of throw things up and doesn't make it feel too like diatonic and normal. So, yeah. Yeah. It it was not what I was expecting. I was expecting something a bit more straight rock that I should have known in the 70s. It was going to be a bit more experimental. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Dude, you were (laughs) like increasing my vocab about those like middle era <laughs> albums that I just have no idea oh, about. Yes.
0: I, yeah, I love this record. It's so strange. And I, obviously I love the banjo on it. The, um, yeah. the kind of the, the full circle of the first and the last track together. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of Is like, those lead banjo parts. yeah, the lead banjo parts together. I love mm-hmm. that. Like, it's cool. Like, were you hearing like a banjo led song in like 1970
1: in like the rock and roll industry? yeah yeah because you could have got away with that in the like 50s or 60s and then yeah. now you can get away with it like in the later years, but <laughs> anyway so yeah. i think um I've, as
0: you may were going to mention the mumford and sons guys of the banjo they actually played a bunch of songs with ray davies of the kinks from this album at like a oh, live wow. concert once um it's because they kind of they kind of fit in a little bit with that category that's cool um, that's really yeah. cool yeah, man. No, it's the kinks. Sweet. The kinks
1: of yeah. Where the kinks of what?
0: I yeah. I often find them. It's so a heresy. I find them more interesting than a lot of like the Beatles mid stuff.
1: To be honest, um, is that like we were talking about um, like Let It Be, not one of your favorites, right?
0: Yeah, I like some of the songs on Let It Be. I f- I think um. By the time the Beatles are starting to settle like their end of their career together, hmm. their albums kind of lose a bit of cohesion. Um, that being said, Abbey Road does exist, so maybe that point's completely invalid. But uh, the kinks always in their like a lot of their albums of their career they're set up to kind of make something weird and different. And hmm. um, you get something like this, or you got the album before, which are also like very strange and unique to itself mm. um yeah i really yeah, yeah i like it a lot.
1: yeah thanks for sharing that with me it's good my pleasure nice my pleasure. well honorable we mentions head- yeah honorable mentions let's do it recently were we talking about pavement cuz i can't remember if it was the conversation we started with you with John Ringhoffer of Half-Handered Cloud. I think he mentioned them to you. Okay. So I have John Ringhoffer of Half-Handered Cloud to thank me. Um, he was sending me um, a song by Pavement. And a Pavement, Canadian. I keep forgetting to read. Yes, it. Yeah. they are Canadian. Yeah, 90s Canadian band. Um, and Josh, your brother, gave me a couple of albums of Pavement a while back yep. and I gave them a little bit of a listen. But um, I've been listening to Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Um, mm mm-hmm. Specifically, I've had the song Cut Your Hair in my head, which is what John Ringhoffer sent me. And yeah, that's, it's, where, that's one of their big songs. It's such a great tune. I, it made me really kind of like it's such a great, fun song. And it's you, you were commenting that you don't really love his vocal too much. <laughs> um, I kind of really dig it. I know it's a bit you know, uh, um, what's the approximate pitch kind of singing sometimes. <laughs> i would call it janky, but sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit janky. Um It reminds me a little bit of Glenn from Soul Junk uh, in some of the albums, <laughs> <laughs> specifically okay. 1942. Just a little bit like shoot for that mark. And if I get a little bit lower, or a little bit higher, i will be fine. But I really liked um, this album Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. And I, yeah, so I kind of dig... Yeah, dig that and have enjoyed kind of catching up. I feel like I owe your brother an apology for not really (laughs) getting into it when he gave me the albums, but, yeah. Um, And the other one I've I've been uh, listening to is there's a new album out on Flag Day Recordings, which I'm very excited about, by two of some of my favourite ambient artists and ambient electronic synth artists. So Micah Dale Pick, who I've talked about before, and yep. Benjamin Malk, who I've also talked about before, have teamed up and they've got a new album coming out very soon on Flag Day Recordings. It's called It Feels Great, But the Planet is Dying. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a rather intense album. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, electronic musings on global warming and all sorts of things. And each of the track names is named after a place and the temperature of that place at a certain time. And it's very avant like well not very avant-garde, but it's it's experimental electronic ambient music. So if you dig that kind of thing, I recommend checking it out. Yeah. Mm. That's me.
0: Yeah. I had the dangerous uh, proposition of writing my honorable mentions during Bandcamp Friday. Ah, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's what your tweet was about. <laughs> so there was a potential for these to expand from my original four to about 17, but I mm-hmm. kept them to my four. Um, more, th- more things to talk about in the future. Uh, the first one is actually something I heard on uh, CBC Radio late at night um, when they actually play interesting things. Um, is, uh a cover by a dude going by the title Rit Momney. Um, <laughs> As in mitt romney as a mitt romney so he does cover of a of a 2006 song um put on your shoes i believe it's called um and it's a great kind of keyboard pop song i don't know it's like you listen to it and you just get a big smile on your face this guy does a really good job of putting it in kind of that bedroom keyboard kind of uh makeshift um style it's just it's just really well done Hmm. um written mommy. uh second uh this one is a bit stranger i um i'm still a bit on my shoegaze thing so this is actually a beach boys song um called all i want to do and it's kind of in my uh digging through shoegaze history it's a bit of a progenitor to like this kind of dream pop shoegaze stuff Like, it precedes Mm. that kind of movement by a solid 30 years. Wow. (laughs) And um, it's just kind of Brian Wilson um, messing around with uh, chorus pedals and reverb pedals and making, like, a kind of uh, Beach Boys ballad, but with those kind of things over top of it. And it sounds really strange, but Mm I also kind of really like it.
1: So, sorry, it is is the Beach Boys? Yes. They always... Stunned me that, like, their hit song is like totally straight down the line, kind of like pop. And then they, is it pet, pet shop sounds? Pet Uh, sounds. Pet sounds, Sounds, Sounds yeah. Is like so experimental and like crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I think if you take kind of the pet sounds vibe and then Mm. just add like all these kind of regular pedals that you would have in the 80s, kind of dream pop movement. Hmm. um i think it's where you find this intersection and i came across it and it's very interesting so i'll put that in the well, that was nice. um third okay this one i'm surprised by um a that you had never played this game or b that you had never heard the soundtrack before um the katamari damasi um
1: soundtrack I know um, of it, but I've like I've never played it or really heard the music. Yeah, this
0: is probably one of the most um, interesting and strange musical game soundtracks to ever exist. I love the Katamari Damasi soundtrack. It is a just a wild Japanese fever dream of <laughs> samba and jazz fusion. And like gibberish kind of folk music. It is amazing. And I need you to listen to it. Sure, you know, sure. Um, yeah, it's it's such a I think you'd actually really like the game too, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So the catamaran Demasi um has a very like uh a very recognizable theme to a lot of people, and I hmm. think it's just kind of this it kind of catches this just kind of vibe of like care that goes along with the game. That Mm. is like so lovable. Um, So I'll put that in there for you.
1: You, That was after you sent me that weird clip, the the baby head synth thing, and we had to to talk.
0: We need to talk about that.
1: (laughs) I'm putting it in the show notes. (laughs) Okay, the internet's
0: a very strange place, and I found this video of um, it's like a plant with a baby face on it playing keyboards over a stop motion, and. Anyway, <laughs> and then I click through to look at the
1: profile, and there's like a dude playing bongos, but they're like different, like green screened versions of his head. And he's like, he's tapping on his head or something. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Cut that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> I will do no such thing. And um,
0: uh, last but not least, this is actually something off of Bank and that I've been looking at. So um, this is called More Tunes from mm-hmm. the Goodman Manuscript. So there's obviously a previous uh, album called Tunes for the Goodman Manuscript. This is a group of Irish folk musicians. And the Goodman Manuscripts uh, are obviously a guy named Goodman in the late 1800s um, mm. started assembling uh, local folk songs and wrote them all down and kind of bound them together. And those have recently been released for public consumption. Um hmm and the kind of this treasure of traditional folk, like reels and music. And these uh, group of musicians are kind of going through it and playing them and recording them for posterity. Wow. And uh, so I managed to find this on Bandcamp, and I don't know, it's obviously it's very traditional. There's no, at least uh, not that I've listened to so far. There's no words. It's just like reels and violins and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, you know, it's got a very soft place in my heart, so I do love it. Hmm. Um, it's good work in music, if you know what I mean. What's <laughs> that? Cut that, cut that. Cut that. <laughs> You're the editor. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to cut it. Um, yeah. If you love Irish traditional music, the Goodman manuscripts are uh, really fun. The kind nice. of lilting little things. Anyway, those are my I dig, it. I dig it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sweet. Well, neat, sir. All right. Well, thank you uh, for listening to episode 22 of what we're listening to. Um, Hopefully you've had a good start to the year and we are very excited, as I said last time, about all the things that we're going to chat about this year and some of the um, maybe special weeks that are coming up. Um, Please, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and kind of... Yeah, give us some thoughts on uh, what we've been chatting about. And if you've got albums you reckon we'd really like, send them our way. And yeah, thanks for listening as always. And we'll see you next time. See you, Josh. See you, man. Bye.